right, man. So we're back here talking some college hoops. Um, we've already got one weekend, and it was insane. A lot of stuff happened. Um, some teams have played five games. Some teams have played one. Some teams haven't played yet. And what it's coming down to is everything is insane. We already got a ton of postponements. Uh, we already have everything going to hell, it seems like. And there's so much to cover. So let's start with, you know, let's start with um, – what do you want to start? Where should we start today? Um, I think my favorite part of the beginning of uh, college basketball is the um, is the we like the holiday tournaments and the kickoff tournaments and whatnot. Um, and obviously, there's like you said, there's been a bunch of cancellations and stuff. And teams have done well, like Villanova and a couple other teams that have been playing at like Mohegan Sun and staying at these like miniature bubbles. Um, they're doing well at like scheduling games 24 to 48 hours out in advance and playing those. Um, but the, the bad boys mower invitational tournament that was usually takes place in the Bahamas in the battle for Atlantis, um, was moved to South or South Dakota this year. Um, which is quite the conundrum. If you're a player of one of those teams being announced that you're going from the Bahamas to South Dakota, which is like the epicenter of the COVID cases right now in the United States. Um, but nonetheless, so that was a tournament that was supposed to be, Creighton, Dayton, Memphis, Ohio State, Texas A&M, Utah, West Virginia, Wichita State ended up getting all um, all out of sorts. Um, you know, West Virginia was in it, uh, Western Kentucky, Memphis, St. Mary's, North Dakota State. Um, and there's one other school as well that I'm kind of forgetting to draw a blank on. But, um, yeah, that was, a, that was a tournament. And there's a couple things I want to get into with you. Um, I don't know if you watched too much of the games and whatnot, but – First, I think one of the big games was um, the Final Four was Western Kentucky, Memphis, West Virginia, and VCU. Um, and all, all from respect to conferences and whatnot, um, Western Kentucky kind of hits a little bit closer home for us, A, right. because they're filled with, you know, in-state talent, um, like Tavion Hollingsworth, Carson Williams, who is from Owen County, which is near us. Um, Former NKU uh, basketball Correct. Player. Yeah, and um, they got Charles Bassey, which is like the number – he was the highest-ranked player from the 2018 class with RJ, Zion, Cam Reddish, Nazir Little. Um, he's the only guy – the highest-rated player from that class that is still playing. Mm-hmm. Um, he got hurt last year, so that kind of hurt his draft stock, but he looked as good as advertised um, throughout that tournament. But then you had West Virginia, obviously, from one of the original teams in the tournament, and then Memphis. Um, kind of where I want to go first is I'm not going to spend too much time on breaking down each game and whatnot, but the – um, it obviously was West Virginia, uh, West Virginia beat VCU to go to the finals and then Western Kentucky beat Memphis. Um, and then those two teams faced off in the finals, but I kind of want to gauge, I know you're a penny guy. I kind of want to gauge where you're at with Memphis basketball. Um, you know, last year losing Wiseman is kind of, uh, it hurts you. That's your big chip that kind of hurts losing him in the middle of the year. Um, you know, he was ineligible and decided not to come back. Um, but it seems to me that Penny is taking team Penny from the Nike EYBL circuit and plugging that into Memphis basketball and just being like, I'm going to recruit the best athletes and some big long dudes like Precious Atua, uh, DJ Jeffries, um, you know, there's a uh, Landers Nolly from Virginia tech, some other guys that he ended up getting, but has absolutely clueless on offense. They, they run a freelance spread it out dry, but there's no sets. There's nothing no. so kind of just seeing exactly where you're at on where they're at, at their programs heading after falling. They were one and two or, I think it was they're, two and two. They're two and two now, yeah, because yeah, they just won last night by a uh, against Arkansas State. But yes, because um, they ended up losing to Western, sorry, and VCU in the third place game. So yeah, yeah. So here's the thing. Yes, they have played no no offense at all. 
they're still really good defensively. And they're actually, according to Ken Palm, they're 16th in the country in adjusted defense still. Um, again, four games, small sample size, but they're 83rd, I think, in offense. Um, 82nd in offense. So, you know, it's mediocre, but it could be a lot better with the talent they have. Um, I really like Musa Cease. I think he's awesome. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you. Like, I thought DJ Jeffries would be so much better for them. Lester Quinones last night had a good game, 15, 10, and 6. He did not have a good tournament in South Dakota. No. Did not and, play very well. And then Landers Nolly coming off the bench has, like, been kind of their best scorer, and I don't mm-hmm. know why he's still coming off the bench. So, I, I don't know. I think that they're still – I have a lot of questions about his coaching abilities and this is never, I will never insult Penny Hardaway. I just think maybe like you said, like he's trying to play EYBL ball in division one college basketball, which is like the second, you know, the third best level in the world of sports of basketball besides the NBA and Spain basically. And you know, the FIBA leagues. So there's a lot to question. Um, I do think their offense will get much better, you know, especially if this waiver thing goes through, because if they get DeAndre Williams back from Evansville, Um, that's going to stretch their game a lot. He was a kid last year, 15.2 a game, seven rebounds, um, a lot of skills, second score on all three levels, beat Kentucky when they were the number one team in the country, and Rupp Arena was the leading scorer in that game, was the guy everyone wanted after Walter McCarthy had that weird controversy that we're not going to get into. Um, But, yeah, I think that they have a ways to go offensively. Um, The good news is, though, if they need to make a stop, they can make a stop. It's just I don't know if they can score with anybody. So – I'm not saying they got to go full-fledged Wisconsin by any means because no one wants to watch that, especially with the athletes they have. But I really would like to see them just kind of bump it up a little more. Um, And I think, you know, as they get – if they get DeAndre back, if this waiver thing goes through um, about everyone getting able – being able to play and not having to sit out a year, it's going to be huge for them especially. Right. Uh, I'm with you. I think obviously with time. And I think you can kind of make a case for – the entire college basketball landscape with no preseason games, um, only playing yourself in practice. And these first couple games, it's it's a brick fest. Offenses look stagnant. Defense is going to be a lot of fouls, not like not guys moving their feet, just kind of hand checking and whatnot. Um, and I think obviously, you know, down the road they'll be fine. Um, I just worry that like this grows and this becomes something for Penny down the road because um, Houston's really good in the AAC. Um, yeah, Cincinnati yeah. looked okay last night. We'll get kind of into them towards the end of the episode, but. There's some really good teams in there, and I feel like I, I, you strand together two or three, not bad years, but years that you're not the top dog in the AAC, which is, let's be honest, not like the best conference in the world. Um, right. It's re- pretty detrimental to Penny and what he's trying to build in Memphis. Um, but <clears throat> speaking, speaking or sticking with the Bad Boys Mowers, um, we'll go to the championship game, which was Western Kentucky versus West Virginia. Um, West Virginia kind of has that, like, they're one of the teams I'm mentioning earlier about, like, at a drop of a hat, they're going to schedule teams when they can. They're going to try to get as many games as they can in. Um, they played Gonzaga, what, last night? Yeah, last night yeah. Um, in Indianapolis. They they just hopped in when Tennessee couldn't play due to the um, positive tests in their program. But Western Kentucky versus um, West Virginia in the Bad Boy Mowers championship game. Um, West Virginia ended up winning 70-64. to 64. Um, It was a really good game up and down. Western Kentucky was holding the lead actually for pretty much most of the game. Um, and then West, Western Kentucky, or West Virginia – got a run in the second half that um, tended to be the kind of the, the spark that they needed to win. Um, but I mean, Sean McNeil, which is a, a family friend of mine, he, he's starting two guard this year for him. He had a really good tournament, um, 15, 16 and 17 points in, in respectively in each of the three games. Um, he's kind of a difference maker for them. Not even trying to sound like a Homer um, just because he's a friend of mine, but the, 
he's good enough where he spaces the floor. They have uh, Oscar Thibe and, you know, and a couple, a couple other guys that, that Emmett Williams and the guys that they can really pack it in the paint, very Bob Huggins-like where they stack it in. But he's one of those shooters that just stays out on the wing. Um, and when double teams come and collapse in the paint, he's able to knock down some shots. And when he does, it opens the floor so much for them that he's able to um, – he, the, the big men are able to get the ball down down low and facilitate. Um, I like what West Virginia is doing. They're really Me good too. defensively, like always. Um, they're not press Virginia of years past, but they play good defense. Um, last night against Gonzaga was a little bit of a slip-up. They gave probably the most points. They've held their opponents to 64, 66, 71, and then they gave up 87 to maybe the best team in the country. So And they were right there with them, 82 and 87. Um, they scored in the 70 and 80, so it's a little bit different. Um mindset from the years past but I really like what they're building there and I kind of um and I'd be happy to see how they go in a loaded big 12 this year so yeah not to mention um you know you said they have multiple guys and Miles McBride another Cincinnati kid who has been really good he's a sophomore um really stepped up and really impressive he's averaging 15 points a game so far you mentioned earlier they're kind of like trying to pack as many games in because the minimum requirement is 13 they've already played four um and I'm not going to cite them. I mean, I'm not going to hold against them giving up 87 points to Gonzaga because, you know, obviously Gonzaga is really good at basketball. You know, they're, like you said, they're arguably the best team in the country. Um, you know, and it might have been worse if Jalen Suggs isn't hurt and plays the full game. Who knows? But, you know, obviously what Gonzaga got last night from Joel, Joel IA and, you know, guys like, um, what the heck's his name? Uh, Corey Kispert. I can't believe I forgot his name because he's been at Gonzaga for 75 years, I think. Right. Um, but, you know, and Andrew Nemhard coming there. I totally forgot they got him from Florida, and that was a huge. He just got cleared. He got cleared. Um, I mean, two days before the season started. So, yeah, yeah. That he's been really good for them. I mean, he's one of the best guards in the country, and he's the sixth man for Gonzaga, which I think they'll eventually start both of him and Suggs throughout the year. They're they're too good to have them not out there together at all times. Um, but yeah, very. I like what I see out of West Virginia, and you know, you, you keep rolling on and getting the conference play, and just kind of. Um, I think a lot of teams are going to beat up on each other. Um, kind of going back to what I said earlier about like no practices, no scrimmages, no preseason games against teams that you can beat up on to work some things out. A lot of teams are falling early. There have been a couple upsets. Um, Virginia Tech, Mike White, um, once again, beating another top five team in the country in November. Last year, he beat Michigan State in the Maui Championship um, yeah. or Maui Invitational. And this year, he knocked off Villanova in Mohegan Sun. Um, Villanova looked really, really good early in the year, and they still do. Um, I mean, we talked about them. They're our pick to win the Big East. Jeremiah Robinson Earls had, ad, as advertised, Colin Gillespie ended up having a really good game against uh, Virginia Tech. He had 25-3-4. and four. Um, Did you see the end of the game, that last play, that forced it to go to overtime? Uh, no. They set up um, – Villanova set a pick on the guy that was inbounding the ball for Virginia Tech and got a charge, and they got two free days. It's in it to overtime. Um, but – it was controversial, but it was really good play. Um, Virginia Tech ended up winning 81-73 in overtime. But one of those things, not a bad loss for Villanova. Um, you know, it, Virginia Tech shot 10 of 20 from three, um, 48% for the game. You know, not going not gonna to do yourself any favors when you're giving up a lot of three, especially 10 of them. Right. Um, but I like what I'm seeing out of Villanova. Uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, I mean, as advertised, everything we say. I mean, these a lot of people are honed in on these freshmen leaving, but – there's been multiple examples of people coming back for their sophomore year, getting better and and pre- improving their draft stock, which I think Robinson Earl will. I mean, I'd yeah, rather be will. 18, 19, 20 years old, those two or three year gaps. If you can come back and get better at college and improve your draft stock, it's totally worth it. Look at Emmanuel quickly. Look at um, what's it called? Uh, Nick, 
uh, what was the kid? Nick Richards, uh, Armando, Armando Bacoff from North Carolina. Mikael um, Bridges. J- Mikael Bridges. Other guys that just come back and work on their craft. And, you know, he's obviously putting himself in a really good spot early on in the year to be Big East player of the year, let alone improve his draft stock. Um, the only other upset I kind of want to get to, um, do you have anything about Nova? Sorry, I didn't want to cut you off there. Uh, no, I think, uh, I mean, I would just basically say the same thing you were going to say, but yeah, I think, uh, I think Nova has a lot to be excited about. I think they're still a good team. I don't really hold that loss against them. Um, you know, Justin Moore, obviously guys like that are going to start the floor. They still have Con Gillespie, who I think has also been at Villanova for 74 years. Right. No, he's just right. Archie Diacono too. Sorry. Yeah. But, they, they mold into each other. Yeah. And then they got <laughs> Cole some... Swider who looks just like both of them. <laughs> no, um, it's like, remember when like, um, Notre Dame had, um, Luke Heron and Jack Cooley, you yep. know, those guys, it's like, Oh, it's the same player over and over again. Right. So, um, yeah, and, and the other team, the other upset that happened this year was um, – or this year, <clears throat> we'll get to it, is it was Virginia who hung 90 points on their first opponent. I forget who exactly it was, and everybody in the country was talking about how, oh, if Tony Bennett can figure out how to score in the <laughs> 70s and 80s, they're going to win it like – they'll repeat, which is still weird to me that they're the defending national champions. Yes, I That know. felt like eight years ago to me. Um, but the – they ended up falling to San Francisco, which I, I, I think that program, I, if you listen to Titus and Tate, um, their podcast, they did a podcast last year about sleeping giants, about teams that are programs that should be better than they are. Yeah. Um, San Francisco has two national titles or three national titles to their name um, back when Bill Russell played there. But the, they're a, the uniforms are sweet. The location's sweet. They ended up beating um, Virginia. Uh, they played at Mohegan Sun, and it was a classic example of how Virginia loses most of their games play good defense, but cannot hit a shot. And when you're playing in the 50s and 60s, when you shrink the amount of possessions you get, you have to be almost perfect. And San Francisco hit, I think it was eight to ten threes. I forget exactly how many they had that game. But they um, they took Virginia to the wire to wire. And they had 13 threes. See, I knew it was a lot. And that's, that's not a recipe for – a good recipe for a win if you're Virginia when you're giving up that many threes and you're struggling to score the ball. I have a hot, hot take about Virginia. And it's not because I'm a Carolina fan, as you see in the background. I think Kihei Clark is the most overrated player in the country. Listen, he's a good player, but the amount of talent that he had around him last year um, and the team that won it all is a little bit different than what he's with this year. And the Hauser brother, I think they have, they have Sam, correct? Yeah, they have Sam. Yeah. He's, he's as advertised. He's a very good player. He's a senior player who knows how to play within himself. Um, But acting like he's going to be this preseason All-American player was baffling to me. And I think Virginia will be fine because their pack line defense is really good. Jay Huff is another good post player that they have and have had for years. But I'm pumping the brakes on the Virginia scoring efficiency slash I'm ready to crown them the next national champion as well. So Yeah, I'm with you there, especially because if you look at their conference, there's a lot of really good teams there. Um, you yep. mentioned – you know, obviously Carolina looked good. I know we're going to get to that a little bit. I know they lost to Texas yesterday, but I, I, I'm not really worried about them. Um, Louisville, I know, hasn't played any major big-time opponent yet, but I would say that I, I like where that team's going. They just beat Western Kentucky. Um, really good win for them. Yeah, really big win. Um, you know, Michigan State beats Duke, obviously. We'll get to that. So Florida State a, looks good, yeah. Florida State looks really good. So, yeah, I would be concerned about them. Notre Dame looks – whatever. Yeah, um, right. We'll talk. Yeah. Um, but – yeah, I'm with you. And like Clemson's really kind of surprised me so far. I know mm-hmm. they've only played a couple of games, but they're scoring a lot of points and finally getting some decent talent looks like down there to play with those guys. But yeah, I, I'm with you. Like I think Virginia obviously has a lot of talent. They're obviously going to be a really good team. They're obviously going to be a team that come Indianapolis. You got to watch out for um, because they're going to find ways to win games. But yeah, I'm, I just don't know if I can see situations like 
I don't think 21 to 51 can be the norm by any means from the floor that they had in that, like they had in that game. But could I see them losing a lot more of those games the way it was, what we've seen from them so far? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's very, I think it's very likely. Right. Um, I mean, like I said, it goes back to kind of what we're talking about all year, the, the no scrimmages, no games, um, you know, you're going to be rusty. And we've seen that throughout the whole year for most teams. Um, that kind of leads me to the next, the next biggest thing. We'll get into the champions classic and, um the Gonzaga a little bit later but the next tournament was the Maui Invitational which just finished up yesterday yeah um that had Davidson and Texas in the first round uh that was a really good game that Texas ended up winning by two um what's your take on Bill Walton I want to get this out here okay thank you because I wanted to touch on this I love him yeah so for the people who are just like I don't understand you know people who are just mad at Bill Walton just hate the world apparently I guess yeah like just you know, I would rather have some guy who's, like, having fun, especially considering, like, they're not even in the arena. They're just yeah. kind of, like, goofing around and having a good time, and he's just, like, being ridiculous and telling really funny stories. Like, that's Bill Walton. Like, that's yeah. what people pay, pay attention Do to. Do you remember when he would call the NBA Finals? Dude, yes. And now he's just this, like, he's, like, an afterthought. Like, the man is very intelligent with basketball. The thing for me, I think he's self-aware now. Like, I think he's he knows that, like – okay, like I'm supposed to be, everybody like rags on me for being random and funny and shit. And I'm just going to tap into that. Mm-hmm. My thing about Bill Walton is this, like when your team is not playing in the game, it's great. When your team is winning in the game, he's calling also great. But when they're <laughs> losing and you have to hear about when he's talking about leaky black, um, North Carolina small forward, if he was a scientist in Africa, like I just kind of wanted to chuck my remote through the TV, but <laughs> overall I think he's a good commentator. Um, I think it's funny. I think it's a refreshing. He always says the Maui. He does a couple other Pac-12 games at 11 o'clock, the tip, tip on ESPN. I, I think you kind of just, you know what you're getting yourself involved in. Um, you know, most places ha- offer radio service or they offer a couple other different things. So if he's not your cup yeah. of tea, then you dive into that. But the people that are like, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Like, yeah, yeah, he yeah. does. It's funny when Texas took an 11 to eight lead over Davidson, he was like, this lead is insurmountable. Like that is <laughs> funny. Like, but I wish he would kind of tone it down a little in crunch time but and be that way more in the first half and the second half kind of get back to the basketball and whatnot but I, i'm overall i like him um but back to the maui texas beat davidson in the first game of the uh, first game of the maui and then it was um god who i'm, I'm already drawing a blank on it indiana it beat uh, stanford uh no, no no that was that was yesterday uh indiana beat uh providence that was a good one which they did not i was high <laughs> on them higher on them in our big east preview than i maybe claim to be now um typical Providence team can't really score um plays hard but overall it's not gonna win you a lot of games Indiana looked really good with scream at people right and I love that Cooley um uh, Race Thompson looked really good for Indiana Trace Jackson Davis looked amazing for them Um, that's another guy to go with your point earlier about coming back to school for a year and proving your stock like he's All right, they've got back-to-back Mr. Indiana basketball on their team. They got Christian Lander, a kid that they reclassified. Um, Love um, that kid. The, yeah, he's really good. He, look, he look, reminds me of Marcus Page so much. Kind of breaks my heart. He ended up going to Indiana. Um, but yeah, Indiana beats beat Providence. Um, North Carolina fell down thirteen to nothing against UNLV, but then ab- absolutely boat raced them. Um, and then Stanford beat um, Stanford beat. I'm drawing a blank. I know. I'm like. It was last week. I was in Disney World, so I'm like, catch. I was like catching up on everything, like walking around the park. Alabama, Stanford beat Alabama. 
and uh, Zaire Williams. Yeah. Zaire Williams looked as good as advertised. Um, you know, top five recruit in the country, really good. Played with at Sierra Canyon last year. Um, so then we get break into the second round. Texas beats Indiana pretty handily. North Carolina beats Stanford after falling a little bit behind. That's kind of a trend the last couple <clears> games <throat> for them. Um, and then you get to the finals, the third place game. Indiana beat. Stanford by a lot and then last uh, the championship game was yesterday at 4 p.m. it was Texas versus North Carolina Roy Williams is one two and eight against Texas lifetime at North Carolina which is an amazing stat and it always 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 comes down to a buzzer beater and Texas wins um, yesterday was no different the Texas led by Matt Coleman Courtney Ramey Andrew Roach um, which is really cool to see him playing during V week as a cancer survivor it's yeah really awesome for sure. to see um, they have Jericho Sims, a very veteran big guy, and they have Greg Brown, a top 10 recruit um, that came from Arlington, Texas. His dad played safety at Texas under Mac Brown. Um, and then you kind of get into, into Carolina. Um, Carolina's got Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, uh, Daron Sharp, Garrison Brooks, Armando Baycott, Leaky Black, Walker Kessler, Kerwin Bolton, Puff Johnson. Um, really good recruiting class for them, bringing back some veteran pieces from a pretty shitty year last year, which we can talk about. Um, but the game – North Carolina got down 16 points in the first half, missed 14 free throws, hit one three, and turned the ball over 21 times and lost by two points on a buzzer beater. So my level of concern, not very high. Um, I think they're – I think they're, they showed some things. They've gotten down 13 against UNLV, which was not great, but they battled back and ended up winning that game by a lot. They got down against Stanford and ended up battling back. And they got down 16 against um, Texas, cut it to 12 and a half. And then by the four or five, uh, by the, by, they cut it to like two with like 16 minutes left. And after that, it was a dogfight. But to me, that game just felt like a game where Carolina would cut into the lead, tie it up, would go down there, get a stop, come down the court, not score, and then Texas would take the lead. We could never just like get the momentum. We'd always get to the top and then we could never get there. Um, but the credit to Texas, Matt Coleman played a great game, um, ended up with 22 points. That was a kind of a perfect example of senior guards versus freshman guards. And the senior guards get the nod there. Matt Coleman, really good off the dribble. Um, how many times he drove into the lane, hit a step back, he's left-handed, drove to his right at the right, um, right elbow, nice step back jumper. And that's what he did um, at the end of the game. Carolina, my only frustrations there were, I don't know if you watched the end of the game yesterday, but I did. I was going to talk about that. Yeah. The outline, the baseline out of bounds play with five seconds left on the shot clock. Okay. Like Roy runs that set with 30 seconds on the shot clock underneath the basket. Like, and this kind of goes into the adjustments and the older coaches, they stick to their ways and it drives me nuts. Everybody in the arena knew where that ball was going. It's a, it's Garrison Brooks on the bottom of the screen at the bottom elbow, leaky black or the three at the three is on the, the top elbow by the free throw line. He sets a down screen and he curls towards the middle of the paint at the lob at the rim and either a dunk or an one contact layup. So with five seconds left, they're definitely going to that play. And then they get it out of bounds again with one second left on the shot clock. Sorry, not in the overall the time left balls thrown up tipped by Texas. Texas gets it back. And at the three on one fast break, Texas takes the lead by two. Okay, like, that's where adjustments or set up a different play or just run something different. And I know it's because you have freshman guards and you're trying to let them learn through mistakes. But when everybody, everybody in the arena knows the ball is going to Garrison Brooks at a lob at the rim and they stop it and score on that, and then Carolina came down and scored and then <clears throat> tied it up and then Texas hit the last second shot. But adjustment, something different, like, clearly it's not working. Um, but that's here nor there. That's a learning moment for Carolina to build on. Uh, Matt Coleman comes down. Shot clock expired, um, waits, holds it till like eight seconds left, gets a ball screen top, takes RJ Davis to the middle of the lane, step back jumper off the glass, off the front of the rim, off the backboard, right in. Um, Texas wins at the buzzer. 
The game, like I said, I'm not concerned with Carolina. They didn't play great, missed a lot of free throws, which is baffling for that team. Didn't make a lot of outside shots. Um, but overall, I, I like where the, they're at this year. They showed a lot more adversity than they did last year, um, where they would get down and just kind of cave in because just they were having such a bad year. Um, this year, they're showing that when they get down, they can battle back and fight. I love where they're at. Um, they have a couple of tough games coming up, but I'm, that's what you want. I'd rather play these tough games and be three and two, three and three going into conference play than be five and zero oh against K yeah. teams and not know what you have. Um, but for Texas, they're uh, in the Ken Palm. They're like number four in offense and number like two in defense. They're yeah. really, really good. And Shaka Smart really has – this is a big year for him. And I think – He got if hair. If you, undefeated with hair. And if he can get to the Sweet 16 hmm. Elite Eight with this team, and I think they have the talent to, I think this could solidify him – some more time in Austin. Yeah, I think my only thing that really jumped out of Carolina that I was like, why aren't they doing more of? And, you know, again, kudos to Texas. They're really good. Um, at least, you know, they've shown so far they're really good. And, you know, they made all the plays they needed to win yesterday. You know, they did everything they needed to do in a game like that, where especially where they were giving up the lead and Carolina was, like, flexing their athleticism. They still managed to kind of hold them off, obviously, at the end. But <clears throat> for a Carolina team like that to have 20 – what was it? 19 defensive rebounds – and only scored nine fast break points. That's where I'm really lost because even when Carolina's had these years where like they haven't had as good a talent per se, they've always been really good in transition offense. They've always been able to get the rebound, get the ball, get to the lane. And we didn't see really much of that at all. They only had nine fast break points, like I said. So I think, I think that, that's I think a that big plays thing. into yeah, right. No, I think that plays into one of their problems is that Caleb Love and RJ Davis are scoring point guards. They're not yes. point guard point guards, which is fine. Um, but playing the point guard position in North Carolina is a tough challenge for a lot of freshmen, let alone junior seniors and sophomores. Um, but yeah, you hit it right on the head. They're so Kendall Marshall, Ty Lawson, Ty Lawson was a blur. He'd get the rebound from Deion Thompson and be at the other end of the paint. Right. Scoring a layup in two seconds. Kobe White, Marcus Page, Kendall Marshall, all guys that know how to play the point guard position will score if they need to, which Page and Kobe White were different type of guards, but um, Kendall Marshall, definitely a pass first point guard. Um, but yeah, Caleb Love and R.J. Davis are struggling with that, and they're struggling with entry passes into the post. We have the best front court in the country with uh, Garrison Brooks, Armando Baycott, Dayron Sharp, and Walker Kessler, and they're struggling getting the ball inside. And Dayron Sharp is the best passing big man, on, best passer on the team, best passing big man on maybe in the country. Um, but that's a that's a very big concern for me when our point guards can't get the ball to Garrison Brooks and to Baycott in the paint, and they're they're throwing them, they're passing them out out of bounds, and they're throwing them to, right to the opponent. Um, so. I think that was the worst game Caleb Love's going to have in his college career. Um, really, really bad game from Caleb, who I'm very high on. Um, so I'm, not, I'm literally not worried. They play Iowa next week in the Big Ten ACC Challenge at Iowa, which would be That'd a be very good game. good game and a very good test for them. Um, some good post players for Iowa, some good guards. Iowa hasn't really been tested early in the year, um, and they can get out and run as well. And they don't play a lot of great defense, so it'll be a good game that Carolina can up the tempo a little bit. And um, – and get it going for them. So, um, like I said, I'm not worried. They play Iowa, and then they play at um, they play in Cleveland for the CBS Classic against Ohio State, which will be another good test. And then it's conference time, and I'm I'm ready to kind of get in there and uh, you know learn. Best way to learn is with, via mistakes. And I see if you know if something if the same mistakes are happening four or five games from now, then I'll be concerned. But if we can learn from our previous mistakes against a senior led team against a, a team in Texas that we lost by two on a buzzer beater, so be it. So be it. So. Yeah. And it's hard because a lot of fan bases freak out with a loss. And, yeah, I would love to win that. But at the same time, I'm not going to lose sleep over a game like that. So Yeah, it's, you know, it's not like they're a team like, like, like you know, we're going to get the Kentucky later. Everything about them right now has been worrisome those first three games. You know, like yep. the Richmond game, I know we're, I'm kind of previewing that. 
But the Richmond game, you kind of saw like a lot of their like, oh wow, they're really young. Yeah. And then on the other in the Kansas game, it's like, oh, four minutes to go, they're up, they can win this one. And it's like they just let it go with dumb turnovers. So you're like, yeah. I would rather be where Carolina is, obviously, at a three and one and one and two is obviously no shit. But you know, at least this Carolina team, you're seeing the pieces come together. You're seeing like where they're going to jail. You're like, oh wow, when they figure out how to work really well in transition, they're going to be really, really impressive. Or right. Kentucky, I'm like, okay, I know we do this thing where in February they click every year, but like this looks like a long way away from February right now. Right, I agree. Um, we can kind of transition right into Kentucky there. I mean, honestly, they exactly what you said. The game against Richmond, <clears throat> they, you know, they they were it was it was it was a classic example of just letting the team hang around. They mm-hmm. could never put the nail in the coffin. Um, they'd be anywhere up from four to six points, get into the second half, and end up losing. And it's not a terrible loss, but it's a loss that shouldn't happen. And yeah, Richmond's not a bad team. But no, but you shouldn't you shouldn't lose to Richmond at home. Exactly. You shouldn't lose to Richmond at home. And I know the home court advantage and all this stuff, but like you just flat out shouldn't lose at home. Like against an inferior, not an inferior team, but an inferior team when you're in Kentucky. Right. Um, my biggest thing is I'm not gonna shit talk or I'm not gonna you know nitpick and stuff, but like I loved reading the rapid reactions from matt jones and beat writers and other people like that after kentucky dog walked moorhead state it's this might be cal's most athletic team since john wall and them athletes they run and gun they do this and something about kentucky basketball from 2016 to 2019 has been boring but i'm so glad we have athletes and then boom richmond beats them and boom kansas beats them and it's got a lot to figure out we'll be locked in by march you guys say it every year and it's like dude we don't say this you just serve up takes and takes and takes on a platter you make to us everyone. say this you serve it up on a platter to everybody you are you are the reason people make fun of you. You are the reason – and listen, that might be because we live in Kentucky, and I'm sure people in North Carolina are just as passionate and just as – and media outlets and stuff there are just talking about it just like we do. But, like, Kentucky fans act like they're victim when it's like, we're the best team – we're the best team ever. And then when they lose, it's like, well, well, we weren't saying that. It's like – We're freshmen. We're two days freshmen. ago, two days ago, read your tweets. Like, you said <laughs> it. Like, I'm making fun of you, not making fun of Kentucky basketball. And – Listen, like, we talked about it ad nauseum with Calipari. Great salesman. Great, you know, listen, all this bull pizzazz and stuff. And I'm probably going to go on a rant against Kentucky people, and they're going to think I don't like them. But I think this team's actually pretty good. Yeah, and you too. once they figure it out, they'll be fine. But no other team in the fucking country has a pro day <laughs> on ESPN highlighting how good these next-level play- players are. And they run all these drills that combines run, and, the, and they do the verticals and the dunks and the three-point shooting and the ball screens, coming off ball screens defensively, all this stuff. And they have a two-hour special on ESPN. You, I, I will not feel sorry for you when you have that on ESPN for a national audience. And you have every scout in the NBA there, and you're pumping them up to be this great team. Like – Prove it on the court. And Cal Perry's talking about don't be mad at the kids, be mad at me for the, the schedule. One time, just take some ownership. Like Roy, like Roy Williams did it last year, saying this is the most least talented team he's ever coached. Like that was bullshit. And he shouldn't have said it. And he was trying to save some face for a team that wasn't good. Like Roy, it was your fault you didn't get recruits. It was your fault you got you ended up with this roster. And Kentucky, you know, they have a tough schedule coming up. They play Georgia Tech Sunday at Georgia Tech, who's been terrible this year. They play UCLA in the Champions Classic. They play Texas, and they play Louisville. That's their next five ga- four games, and there's no, like, Bellarmine or Transy or Coppin State or any other team in the middle. It's those four games in sink or swim time for them. And we'll get to the Kansas game now. I mean, the Champions Classic, that first three minutes of that game, there were more bricks laid in that game than I've ever oh my seen God. in my highlight on both ends. And the offense is stagnant. B.J. Boston and Terrence Clark both want to shoot 30 times a game. Devin Askew is 17 years old and should be in high school and didn't have the proper offseason to learn. 
they don't play mints from Creighton that much at all when they should. Dante Allen's their best shooter right now because nobody can make an outside jump shot. They made they zero three enough. Yeah, zero threes against Richmond. They they <clears throat> um, Olivier Saar is a really good player, but it, it's the Reed Travis effect. Which I'll say this to any Kentucky fan: they think when they get an experienced big guy that comes in that they're going to be the, like that he's going to be the best post player. And Saar is great, but when they you can't hit an outside jump and that jumper and the entire defense is in the paint, he can't do anything when there's three guys on him the entire time. And I I mean it's just like Reed Travis, he struggled at times, but Saar will be fine. Um Isaiah Jackson is a freak defensively and a really good player for them. I think Kentucky will be fine, but once again, we crown these kids in November before they even play a game, and when they struggle, they play the woe is me card, and it drives me insane. Insane. So. Yeah, it's clockwork, it. right? Yeah. <clears throat> we've been talking about this for years since we've had this pod. But, yeah, you talked about the Kansas game. I mean, both teams were combined 8 of 42 from 3. Like, yeah. And they had a lot of freshman moments. Jalen Wilson got hot down the end. He hit back-to-back threes. Isaiah Jackson comes down with three minutes left on the, the, the game clock and fires up a three at the top of the key. And Calipari loses his mind. It's just the, the thing that killed Kentucky was the they were down two, one or two. Um, and then I forget who it was, um, Benajay or whatever for Kansas might have missed two free throws. Christian Braun, a guy, their two guard, gets a rebound over four Kentucky players, kicks it back out, and they ended up going back up at three. It was a game with as poorly as they played, they still had a chance to win. And if you're a Kentucky fan, that's the silver lining. They have to get better these next couple games. Um, like I said, Georgia Tech, Louisville, UCLA, and Texas, all very tough games for them. I see them going two and two in this stretch. Did I miss something about Keon Brooks not being in the he is not. Yeah, he hurt his hip. Gotcha. Okay. It hasn't played, hasn't like, played in a game this year. Okay, I was just making sure I didn't miss something. because I Yeah, saw but like – and even with him, like, that wasn't a go-to score last year, so he's going to be kind of feeling, figuring himself out when he gets back. I think B.J. Boston's good. Yeah. I think Terrence Clark is really good. I just think they need to learn how to play. There were so many times against Kansas that they had two guards right next to each other like this on the wing. It's like spacing is terrible. They don't run on offense. The dribble drive doesn't work if you can't hit shots. So it's dribble and kick out for a bricks. And if you're not a very good offensive rebounding team, I'm not going to give yourself any second-chance second points. So I – I know that was probably going to come off as a, a very anti-UK rant, which it, it kind of was on my end. But, like, I still think they have a good team to grow here. Boston's really good. Clark is really good athletically. Ask yeah. you will figure it out. Like, Boston's but, a top six NBA pick for a reason. Like, Yeah, I, 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 he's got to learn a jump shot because it doesn't work when you're – he's like – he looks like the – his haircut is terrible, by the way. He looks like the, the, <laughs> the big tall bugs at a, a Men in Black 2. <laughs> with the, 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 the weird hair but I think I think they'll end up being fine um I do too. like next four games are very good growing moments for them starting Sunday at Georgia Tech um we can talk about Kansas real quick they looked okay got boat raced by um Gonzaga on Thanksgiving um but ended up a nice bounce back win against Kentucky how did Marcus Garrett play in that game did you see that yeah what all these symptoms doesn't test positive but he's out there like constantly in pain holding up needs a sub every two minutes it's like hey man sit this one out with everything going on maybe one time for me bill self have some common sense but um yeah a good win for kansas um and kind of kind of leads us to the second game of the champions classic how in the hell did duke get a home game for the champion classic because they're duke i mean unbelievable this is a team that every year in the tournament has to go to like greensboro like Fair. So yeah. Duke ended up taking on Michigan State. Um, a very good win for Michigan State, kind of. Um, what's your thoughts on Duke and where they're at? We kind of won't spend too long on this game because we got a little bit more to get to. But um, so my thing is, Duke better figure it out in the next two games before they play Illinois, or that's going to be pretty embarrassing. But right. 
just the way that they played that game, there's a lot of like, you know, we can almost kind of reiterate a lot of what we said about Kentucky in this game because there's a lot of things Duke did where I was like, what the hell are you doing? First off, the five of 23 from three is terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like a lot of times they kind of looked at Jalen Johnson to kind of figure it out for them. Like, and when he couldn't, they're like, all right, well, Matthew Hurd is like our leading scorer. And when he wasn't figuring out either, and like, that was like, oh man, like this. Wendell Moore good. was 0 for 10 from the game. 0 for 10. And yeah. it's very similar to Kentucky. Um, you have not a lot of shooters out there. DJ Stewart looked really good in the game against Coppin State. Um, Jalen Johnson was really good against that game as well. Um, double-double in his debut. But they have Mark Williams and um, uh, another center that I'm drawing a blank on the name. Henry Coleman. Yeah. And they're not playing very minutes at all, which is very strange. I think Henry Coleman has some tendonitis in his knee. But Mark Coleman's not getting any burn. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's Duke. They run the – you know, the four guards, four forwards, four guards, um, and Matt Hurd out there. And when you can't knock down shots, once again, it packs it in. And they're struggling. I think the Illinois game will be a very good game. They're going to have to put Coleman and Williams in against Kofi Coburn because if not, they're going to get out rebounded by 100. Yeah. And AO looks really good this year. Um, but Duke, same thing. A, a good game Tuesday coming up against Illinois. Um, Got to get some outside shooting. But it's freshman, so it's one of those things, like just learning the roles. Joey Baker um, regressed a little bit. Remember when they burned his red shirt when Zion yeah. got hurt? <laughs> Unbelievable. Kid's a junior and hasn't played more than 10 minutes a game. Um, yeah, he was also like a top 20 recruit in the country. Yep, he reclassified. Reclassifying is not the move, I'm telling you. I, yeah. I'll preach that till the end of me. It's not Marvin Bagley looks really good in the NBA, doesn't he? Yeah, right. It's it's just that. And then you get into um, – yeah, they just – DJ Stewart looks good. Jalen Johnson looks good. Jeremy Roach coming off an ACL injury um, last year. Good point guard coming off the bench. Jordan Goldwire, not the starting point guard you want if you're Duke. He won't be by the end of the year. Good defensively, but a lot of liabilities on the offensive end. Right, yeah. Um, Joey Baker's got to figure out his role in quick. Matt Hurt looks okay. Um, it's got to get better. But I think overall <clears> – <throat> but I think Duke's in a decent place. they got to play a game against Illinois. But then, you know, they, get into, they have a pretty easy slate starting the conference season. Um, so I'll be curious to see how they progress. They'll be fine. Just like Kentucky, yeah. they'll be fine. Um, but with a lot of freshmen and how weird is it that Cameron has no fans in it? That is weird to me. That was weird. I will say this on the other end of the game. Uh, I do want to, you know, kind of talk about Michigan state. Like, yeah, right. No, there were a lot of things about, about what they did in that game. I absolutely loved, uh, you know, you talked about Joey house earlier. He had a really good game. Uh, rocket Watts, you know, seven to 16 may not be jaw dropping, but it was the shots he hit at the moments to kind of get that game going were big for them. Um, I'll say what I absolutely loved, though, was even though Aaron Henry had a game where he was really struggling to score, he was an out—he was outstanding. He was great. He, you know, there was a big story about there when he was like, "All right, I'm going to come back to school. I'm not entering the draft." And Izzo was like, "All right, but you better be all in. We better do this." And right. you know, there's stretches in the game where like he's standing next to Izzo, like coaching the game. Um, that's the kind of guy I want, you know. Henry, he had 14 points, but he didn't hit a three. He didn't hit a free throw. He was 7 of 21, but he had five five boards, and he fought for boards. He was in the paint every chance he could get. He was facilitating the ball well, led the game, and led the team in assists with five. And, you know, in a game where they weren't getting anything, like Jeremy Langford had two shots, um, you know, off the bench. They were looking at Malik Hall quite a bit. He, you know, Henry was kind of keeping them going. Like, he was their right. second leading scorer. Neither of these teams shot well in this game. but Hauser played pretty good. Yeah, Hauser did play really well. Yep. Um, and then, you know, Malik Hall obviously came off the bench with 10 and 10, but it was only two of five. So, you know, it's like, oh, okay, you know, it was getting the, you know, it was a lot of game of the paint. So I really, really liked what Michigan State did. Um, I think they're a really good team again. Obviously, that's mm-hmm. not really saying much. Right. Um, they're a team that's kind of figuring out who they are pretty early in this year. And I think that's a really big deal, especially going into Big Ten play. Um, looking at their schedule coming up, you know, Michigan State's got 
not a whole lot. I mean, they play Virginia in the AC, Big Ten ACC Classic. Oh, that would be cool. The Hauser brothers against each other. Yeah, but other than that, you know, they got Detroit Mercy on Friday. So they yep. got to worry about – you know, they put three guys in Antoine Davis. They're fine. Right. Um, they got Western Michigan. They got Virginia. And then they have Oakland, coached by Greg Campy, who um, right now has been terrible. Right. Uh, they lost to Xavier by 52. Yeah. They lost to Toledo by 27, Bradley by 14. They did take Michigan overtime and lost by 10. And then they lost to Purdue by 43. And then they have Cade Cunningham and Oklahoma State coming up on Saturday. Wow. Murderer's so, row, man. Wow. What a yeah. Schedule. Yeah. Pretty brutal. Yeah. No, I'm with you, Michigan State. Rocket Watch played well. Hauser played well. Um, big win for them. First win for uh, Izzo and Cameron, um, which is pretty like, cool what? to see. Yeah. yeah. That was like his third win against Duke ever, I think. Yeah. Um, Right, a program that just historically owns him in the Final Four. Um, but, yeah, I mean, kind of talking about everything we talked about at the beginning, just a team that struggled with freshmen, and they'll have to get better throughout the year. Um, so, I like what I saw at Michigan State. Obviously, anytime Duke loses, I'm happy being a Carolina fan. I would say, Duke I, and Kentucky struggling to shoot, things you hate to see. Yeah, truly hate to see it. But the Carolina lost, so I can't really talk too much crap. Right. Um, that kind of leads us, what, to last night's game. Um, kind of the last thing we'll talk about here. There's been a lot of basketball, obviously. A lot to get to, which is I'm not complaining. Uh, we talked about Gonzaga-West Virginia already. That was a really good game. Um, and uh, the, the second game of the night, the nightcap, was Baylor versus um, Illinois. And for me, this game was a reminder. Like, Baylor was damn good last year, and they're damn good this year. And <laughs> they're, awesome. they're here to be around. And the narrative that, you know, Scott Drew is a good coach, and, you know, everybody makes fun of that. But Jared Butler is awesome. Davion Mitchell is really good. Flo Thamba, what a name is um, really fun to watch for them and they play really good defense that pack line defense and they're very smart offensively and they're really good and then illinois ao desumu um kofi coburn adam miller the freshman love that the, team love yeah, really good yeah um they played duke next week in the big 10 acc challenge at cameron at 9 30 on tuesday very excited for that one um i love ao desumu he's you know as advertised last year yeah, another really kid good. that came back and improved his stock um so excited to see what he's going to be about next Tuesday in Cameron. Yeah, so here's what I'm wondering. So Saturday at 1, we've got Gonzaga Baylor, 1 and 2 in the country playing each other. Yeah. Why is this a 1 o'clock game? You couldn't have made this like – I understand college football is going on right now still, but like you don't think people would watch 1 versus 2 at like 4.30 on a Saturday mm -hmm. afternoon on CBS? Mm -hmm. Like, come on. Like, everyone wants to watch this. Right. It's every I'm conference. with you. So, but, you know, this is an awesome matchup, two awesome teams. We all know how I feel about Gonzaga personally but I'm not denying how talented and how good of a basketball team they are by any means. Um, you know, so you mentioned all those guys for, for Butler, Jared Butler, I mean, for Baylor, you know, Mitchell, uh, Davion Mitchell, guys like that. Tons of skill sets on that team. And this is, you know, a very impressive, very fast paced Baylor team. Uh, I really like this matchup a ton. Obviously I think it's going to be, we say that it's going to be this big, like really fast back and forth game. It'll probably be 53 to 49 with four minutes to go or something like that so pretty much right <laughs> yeah but i i you know i really like you know all the teams you mentioned just now uh, obviously oakland oklahoma is kind of coming up for a lot of teams they're a team to look out for i like what they've done so far i think they still also have a ways to go they have xavier in the acc uh, big east tournament yeah that'll be good special. yeah that'll be a really good game but Illinois, I think um, when you talk, you talk about all those guys. I know they lost by 13 last night, but that's a really good Baylor team. I think Illinois is going to be a force to be reckoned with. I think I picked them to be a Final Four team. Yep. Please God, there's a Final Four. <laughs> but right, yeah, I, I like you know I, I'm not really going to hold a 
13 point loss to the number two team in the country against them. I'm with you. And then what's so we after that? That was kind of that kind of wraps up the games. Um, right now there's UConn and USC playing on ESPN. Um, your boy James Book Knight against Evan Mobley. Oh, that's a pretty good game to watch. That's but a um, just this weekend there's a lot of good games. Gonzaga, uh, Gonzaga, Baylor. That's a good game to watch out for. Um, doesn't Villanova play somebody good this weekend? They have Temp. Um, well, they had Temple. Yeah, I swear I thought they saw, I thought they played somebody else. I'm looking it up real quick. But um, kind of the big um, Kentucky and Kentucky and um, Georgia Tech. Yeah, they got Texas. Yeah, Texas. Texas. I knew it. I knew that. It was Texas. Was that Saturday? Saturday at 1. So the doubleheader Sunday for people who don't want to Saturday at 1 when Gonzaga Baylor's at 1 o'clock? Sorry. Sunday at 1 is Nova, Texas. And then Sunday at 3 is Xavier, Cincinnati. Okay. So if you don't want to watch bad football and your fantasy football season is done like mine is. Mine's been over for four weeks. Yeah. Then you also have West Virginia and Georgetown, which will not be much of a game that day. No. Um. I'm kind of bummed. Northern Kentucky was supposed to go play at Butler Sunday. Oh, that'd be, they got that'd be cool. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, like you said, there's a lot of games to look forward to this weekend. Um, a lot, lots of talent all over the place. You know, you talked about Kentucky-Georgia Tech. I don't think anyone's really expecting Georgia Tech to play really well in that game. I think this is a big bounce back game for Kentucky to kind of get their legs underneath them and go smooth sailing again. Um, right. And then one game I'm really excited about is Oregon-Seton Hall. I know Oregon just lost to Missouri. Yeah, they got LJ Figueroa today. Yeah. So, what? I mean, we're – so let's – yeah, he got cleared. Wow. <laughs> right, yeah, he's from St. John's. He's cleared to play. I, so yeah, he's I, gonna, he's I gonna remember be, him very well. Yeah, he's going to be uh, for on their roster as of now, so which would be pretty fun. Dana, Dana Altman ripped into NCAA last night. I don't know if you saw that. He was talking about how he's like, you take away all these kids, what they can and can't do. He's like, these transfers need to play. He's like, they can't party and they can't date. So basketball is all they have, which is pretty funny when you think about it. Yeah. But I think it's true. I think all freshmen should – or all transfers should be able to play. Like, it's bullshit the NCAA is doing. So. Well, who was it? Because I wanted to touch on that. Uh, my, my guy Jeff Goodman tweeted today. Apparently there is a big discussion yep. about everyone that was, like, sitting out this year for transfer purposes being cleared. That'd be and, awesome. Yeah, so we talked earlier about DeAndre Williams from Memphis. Yep. Um, you know, Adam Kunkel and Ben Stanley for Xavier. There are so many schools that could benefit from this, and I think that would bring so much, you know, especially in a weird year like this. Like, yeah, everyone needs to be clear. I think that should be, like, done in the first place. Like, the grad yeah. transfer thing is so dumb compared to, like – Well, if a coach leaves, he can coach the next year. The player right. leaves, why can't he? Like, it's just – they enroll at the school and they got a scholarship. Let them play. Like, it's the way it should be. It doesn't mean you should hop from team to team, but yeah. And yeah, also, so. like, what what determines what is good and what isn't bad? Like, so <laughs> David 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 Julius for Cincinnati, he transferred from Michigan, playing game one. Oh, like, okay. So why does he get to play? But like, did Juwan? I know like Juwan Howard probably had to sign on it. Yeah, I think is how it works. But also at the same point, it's like I don't know how that's fair. Right. So. Yeah, we'll kind of we'll – pre- obviously, there's a bunch of games this weekend. Um, the biggest one, obviously, in our area. It, I, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to try to say something. that po- I'm, I'm keeping the positive vibes for this year college basketball. But Same. Uh, UC Xavier, no fans, and two weeks into the season – doesn't feel the same as UC Xavier last year or the year before. Like, no shit, there's no fans and stuff. But, like, like UC coming off their first game of the year and then playing Xavier on Sunday doesn't feel the same as UC. Well, Xavier's played five games. Yeah, okay. So, it's, it's kind of – I think Xavier will win. Um, obviously, sample size is much different. Um, Xavier beat EKU in overtime. They look great against Oakland. Look bad against Bradley. 
looks okay against Eastern. Um, they're kind of up and down, which that happens when you play five games in a week. Um, yeah, but, so they have 12 games scheduled in the first month of the season. Yeah, which good for them. I'm, get them in while you can. Um, yeah. But, no, I'm, I'm very excited to see exactly where we're at um, Sunday. What, what's your kind of your, your takeaways going to that game? So, I think the biggest thing for Xavier is they can, like, they finally have enough guys that they can shoot the ball. Yep. Um, you know, not just Kiki Tandy and Paul Scruggs in this circumstance from last year. Um, but you had a guy like Nate Johnson, who they got from Gardner Webb. He can shoot the ball really well. Yeah, Dwan um, Odom looks good. Dwan Odom is so athletic and fast and explosive. Zach Fremantle has kind of been their – he's been their best player. I talked to a couple mm-hmm. pro scouts, and a lot of people say he's the best pro prospect on the team. Awesome. Um, you know, and then, you know, the big, the big guy situation, you know, Fremantle and Jason Carter, you also have guys like Deontay Miles who are getting some, who are getting some burn finally. He's blocking yep. shots. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Griffin, who they got from Division Two, never played a D1 game ever until this year, and he's making a name for himself for Xavier. Um, right. They're also without C.J. Wilcher and Colby Jones for quarantine, and there's a possibility they could be back in time for Sunday. They haven't figured out just quite yet. No yep. one's saying yes or no by any means, but that's something that, like, really helped Xavier a lot. Just the way that they finally can stretch the floor, shoot the ball. The spacing finally looks really good on offense. The only thing that really frust- is frustrating to watch them right now is, you know, I know they've had some up and down games. Like I said, that's going to happen, especially with energy and effort and just being so tired from playing so many games in such a little time. But I think, you know, rebounding is not clicked for them yet. Like last no. year, like that was where they were awesome. Like they out-rebounded everybody. Granted, they had Tyreek Jones. He was a mammoth. Yeah. I think that's where Cincinnati is going to have the advantage in this game. But really, I think that's their only advantage. Um, you know, Cincinnati has got to hit, hit offensive rebounds really hard in this game and make the most of them, get a lot of second chance plays. Because when you look at, again, the smallest sample size possible, Cincinnati <laughs> has one game, and it was against right. a Lipscomb team, who isn't bad. Like, they played a good team. But they look uh, like every other team in the country who was their first game. They struggled early, got down, and ended up winning. Like, yeah, they like shot like three of twenty three from three or something crazy like that, um, and you know like they lean a lot on guys like Mike Adam Woods and Keith Williams, who was like their leader, was in foul trouble like three minutes into the game, only played, only had like three or four fouls, only had eight points. Um, you know they looked at a guy like like I said Mike Adams Woods, who was really big for them and really kind of made a lot of plays for them. They got uh, Robin Alskis from Colgate. He's yep. playing for them now. He's a really good player. He was pretty good for them yesterday, um, but. And, you know, Chris Vogt obviously being there as a center, which, you know, I, I have my opinions on him as a player. Not necessarily as a person. I love, I love talking with Chris, but right. I still worry about his lack of physicality on the defensive side when he's trying to get rebounds. So, right. um, but, you know, all in all, I think Cincinnati, you know, if they can rebound this game and they can make, you know, kind of use that to their advantage, that's their best bet. But when I watch Xavier play, granted, five games versus one game, I think one game condition is going to play a big deal. Um, stretching the floor is going to be a big thing with all the guys they have that can score. I could definitely see a situation where Xavier wins this game, especially without really no fans at the third arena. Well, I guess there's like two to 300 allowed. I can't remember. Right. But I could really see this being a Xavier win by about eight to 10 points. Yep. I, I'm with you. I think the, A, the experience of the games this year, and B, um, just Xavier has a lot better guards, a lot better forwards. Um, just rebounding is unless they totally lay an egg on the offensive defense rebounding. Um, I think it should be a pretty easy win for Xavier. Um, I'm I'm hoping the day of the game, you know, 
some energy will come from both sides and we'll get a really good game, which we might. I mean, most games this year have been really good. And, yeah. you know, to talk about a previous game is, I don't know if you watched much of the Illinois-Baylor game last night, but Illinois' bench was, like, very engaged, so, you know, yeah. defense and yelling out ball screens and counting down the shot clock and whatnot and just, like, being that vocal, like, pump up for that team. And, you know, I think in rivalry, game, rivalry games you'll see that, and I think we'll need a little bit more. And hopefully by the end of the year we get some fans in there just so we can get some – Carolina Dukes, Kentucky Louisville, we'll get some fans there. I mean, it, they're socially distanced, and we have enough in there, just enough to make a noise where if a team makes a run, let's get some energy in the building. So that's my only thing. But, I, I mean, hell, two, uh, back in March, we didn't get a tournament. We didn't get anything. So I'm very blessed and happy to have something to talk about. So so yeah. we'll give uh, your prediction. What you were thinking, Xavier, by 8 to 10 points? Yeah, I'd say it'll probably be something like Xavier wins, like 64 to 56. I'll take – I'll take Xavier by – I'll take 76-70. Okay. I think it'll be an up-and-down game. I think, obviously, I think with defense kind of be on the wayside a little bit, so. Yeah, I can see that. Yep. So. Cool. I like it. Um, Gonzaga-Baylor, anything, anything, anything – any predictions, any thoughts on that game? I think Gonzaga win. I think – actually, I'll take Baylor. Gonzaga's played a bunch – a really good schedule. Uh, I think uh, Davion Mitchell and Jared Butler – um, are big, big physical guards that can give Suggs, Kispert, um, and Andrew Nimhart some trouble. And they got the bigs that are athletic enough to keep up with Timmy and um, a couple pieces like that. But, I mean, Gonzaga's been ad- as advertised. They're scoring in the 90s and high 80s every game. So they're, they're one of those teams that you get, let them get a lead. They're running downhill at you. So. Yeah, I'm going to take Gonzaga. I just think the skills, the, the talent's just going to be a little too much. I think Baylor's going to be able to hang. But yep. I think, you know, when it comes down to crunch time, I think their lineup's better. Right. So, um, would it shock me if Baylor wins? Not one bit, but right. yeah, I'll go with that. Well, man, this was a lot to catch up on, a lot to talk about. So I'm right. glad we got this in real quick um, before we get to this first crazy weekend of college basketball. Um, so thanks again for everyone tuning in, whether you're checking out on Facebook or listening to us on the podcast streams. We definitely appreciate your time and support. Uh, we'll be back here next week. Kind of talk some more college hoops. Have a good night. Yep. See ya.